everyone, this is Elizabeth here. Before the beginning of this episode, I just want to come out and just say that this episode was really emotional for me. You can clearly tell by my voice that it was a lot and it took a lot for me to get through the episode because I was just so upset and angry and frustrated and sad and just a lot of emotions going on. But I just want all of us to use our voice, continue to speak and continue to help in whatever way that we can, whether it's donate to the George Floyd Memorial Fund, Black Lives Matter, the Minnesota Freedom Fund, or sign the Justice for George Floyd petition. Whatever way that we can help, please let's make sure to do that. I will have all of this information on our Facebook and our Instagram, so if you need to go look at the link, it'll be all there for you. I hope you guys learned something from this episode. I hope that we can spread love, we can, we can overcome this and show our leader that we will not be scared, we're not thugs, and he can't threaten us with military power. We need to show him that and show the rest of our leaders that we are strong as a nation, we are strong, resilient people, and we will get through this. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for everyone who's reached out and said this is an important voice right now because we need it hope you guys enjoy the episode hey guys welcome to another episode of the foreign lady podcast i'm your host elizabeth and the bottom line and we are here today with another episode for you basically the reason i started the podcast to have these difficult conversations i don't know about you but i'm tired of these stories i'm tired of these news and i'm tired of everything that's just happening in our world and in our society right now i just haven't been myself and uh, that's just because I'm just so tired of all of these stories, but we'll get into it. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about Central Park incident that happened with a white lady calling the cops on a black man. We're going to talk about the murder of George Floyd in the hands of police officer. And then we're going to talk about, you know, the protest that's happening not only in Minneapolis right now, but that's happening all over the country. So let's get started. Welcome to the Foreign Lady Podcast. Straight talk about current events and issues affecting women in today's society. This is not your run-of-the-mill opinion show. Elizabeth Allen is not afraid to have the tough conversations to help you navigate the complexities and oddities of everyday life. So listen up, because it's about to get real. Here's your host, Elizabeth. Okay, so let's get started with the uh, Amy Cooper story. No problem. Okay. Amy Cooper was a Caucasian woman who was walking her dog in Central Park. She was walking in the part of Central Park where you had to put your dog on a leash. It's called the Ramble because there's plant life and animals and birds that are sort of protected. As we all know, our dogs tend to run wild. So that's part of the park where you're supposed to put them on a leash. Uh, an African-American man named Christopher Cooper, he is a bird watcher. He told her, hey, do you mind putting your dog on a leash? Because the dog was running wild and just trampling over the flowers. And she got irate with him. She knew how to manipulate the system and she said blatantly to his face and thank goodness he was recording because that's exactly how it has to be right now. That's the only way we can prove our innocence is to put everything on video now nowadays. She blatantly said, I will call the cops 
and tell them that an African-American man is threatening my life. And she did that. The man was nowhere near her. I'm sure a lot of us have seen the video. And as soon as she called 911, her voice went up like 10 octaves, being all hysterical and irate and saying an African-American man is threatening her life. And in that very moment, she knew how to work the system. She knew how to, how to make this man scared and terrified because we don't have the best history with police officers. And she used her privilege. What are your thoughts on this? There's just so much to unravel here. And it wasn't just white privilege. It was white female privilege, which is a different privilege altogether. Absolutely. Where you can create a scenario, not even give details, but just by the distress in your voice, you could get something started. You could get people going crazy. She was able to cry wolf. That's what happened here. And I'm surprised at how calm this man was during the entire time. Because if it were me, I might have a different reaction to somebody to sit there and basically have a false narrative or false story about me that just didn't exist. And here's the thing. And this is not an attack on any of people. It's surely not an attack on white people. You cannot pretend that white privilege doesn't exist and that you don't know what it's about. Absolutely. After watching what that woman did. She, white privilege is a thing. To sit here and try to say it's not, it's a thing. A lot of people might not realize that, I don't know if they're just blind to it. White people have always had a leg up, point blank period. They've always had a leg up, not all of them, but there are some people and they know how to manipulate the system to get what they want. That woman did exactly that. You're absolutely right. Not only did she use the fact that she was white, but she also used the fact that she was a white woman. And we also know the history of black men and white women in this country. Emmett Till, perfect example. If that man didn't record, her voice was so distressed. Many people have been convicted because of 911 calls like that. Definitely. Surely. I mean, and even when we go back to Emmett Till, right, the woman confessed only recently that it didn't happen the way she said right. or the way they had accused him. So imagine if Emmett Till was alive today and he had access to a cell phone. Oh, he'd be alive today. Absolutely. He'd be able to record. I didn't do anything to this woman. Again, Amy Cooper knew the power at her disposal to be the damsel in distress, and hopefully that's going to scare him off. In her language, she said, I'm going to call the police and tell them an African-American man is bothering me. No, she no, not bothering. She said, threatening my life. Oh, threat, threatening my life. She understood what that meant, and she actually thought, this is going to scare him off. Right. And lo and behold, it didn't. She thought this was, was going to scare, scare him off. And think about all the times, right? You had these incidences where white people called black people for apparently breaking the law. And here it is, a black man is correcting you on the law and you're upset. Exactly. And she broke the law. She was the one yeah. being irate and aggressive. And she was the one in the wrong here. If there was no video, by the time the cops, you know, would have figured out all, the, all of this mess, they would have given that man such a hard time. And they wouldn't mm -hmm. realize that it was her fault. Not only was her behavior appalling in the video, did you see her choking the life out of her dog? I, oh, yes. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, what, what is happening right now? You have a dog who's literally choking and begging for, for life, and she's over here just going crazy. I'm it was deplorable. It was deplorable. And here's the thing. We cannot call this bad behavior. 
we have to call it evil. We have to see it for what it is. This was the work of evil, and it was intentional on her part. I would not accept an apology. Yeah, so let, let me just, you know, give you guys the fact she has apologized. She said that this one deplorable moment in her life shouldn't define her 40 years. She has since been fired from her employer. She was a vice president as, at an investment firm, I believe. She has since been fired. The shelter where she adopted the dog took the dog back. And I believe she's also been banned from Central Park. So she's not allowed to go back there anymore. Let me pose this question to you. Do you feel like this was just a lapse in judgment on her part? Or do you feel like deep down, she knew exactly what she was doing? People will say, oh, you know, it was just a quick little moment. It shouldn't define who she is. There was different ways for her to handle that. For her to go from zero to a thousand real quick. And not only was she in the wrong, she purposely said, I will tell the cops that an African-American man is threatening my life. Do you think that was just a lapse in judgment or do you think that she knew exactly what she was doing? I think she knew exactly what she was doing. She thought that I could scare this man off. He wasn't scared. I'll take it to the next level. He still wasn't scared. I'll take it all the way. It, it, it happened in degrees and she had time to probably say he's not backing off but i'm still going to try to scare him anyway what she could have done to resolve the situation was simply put the leash on the dog from the beginning but be, but she didn't want to and i believe her privilege wouldn't allow a black man to correct her it wouldn't allow a black man to tell her about the law so she said okay well then i'll just call the police because i'm not going to take this but i don't believe for a second it was a lapse in judgment i believe that's who she is. She made a choice and she thought she could victimize this black man by playing the victim. People have lapses in judgment all the time. This was intentional, I feel like. This was her privilege kicking in. Obviously, she knows the history between the black community and the police community. And she also knows that, okay, this man is not going to back down like you said. I'm going to call the authorities. I'm going to call the people that are going to be on my side and they're going to teach him a lesson. I would be naive to believe that there was a last in judgment on her part. Like you said, the history of this country, the things that have happened, the things that we're aware of, she's not new to it. Yeah. And she knew the consequences or the likely outcome of what would happen if you called the police on a black man. She was hoping to scare him away. She's hoping that we're scared of the law, right? That the law is here to oppress black men. That's what she thought. So I can't accept her apology. Now, I don't believe she should be fired from her job. That was going to be my next question believe, to you. I was going to ask you, do you think the punishment fit the crime? Like, do you think she No, I don't. I, okay. I don't believe. I think losing your job is really harsh because it's racism. We get really sensitive over it. I believe she should be arrested for making a false report. Absolutely. I believe it's okay that she gets banned from Central Park, but I don't think she should lose her livelihood, her job. To me, that doesn't make things better. Right. It does give a person a chance to gain forgiveness. Yeah. And I feel that losing your job is too much because you know even recently there was this young couple of, of white kids a white boy and a white girl they were teenagers and they went on tiktok and said some very racist things about the black community now they can't apply to certain schools and i looked at it and i said you know what people shouldn't be punished for one mistake it shouldn't stay with them for the rest of their life so i believe that you know she can be banned from central park but she should have to lose her job she 
she should still be able to work and just carry carry around the shame of what she did and that's it i do feel like she shouldn't have to lose her livelihood she should have to go to work every day and live with the shame of what she's done i do feel like she should have been arrested done some type of time either it's a month 60 days whatever it is and paid a hefty fine because she made a false report you know she shouldn't have just gotten away with it like that something should have been done as, as far as criminal activity or some kind of fine or whatever she should have to pay for that all right do you have anything to say before we move on to our next topic yeah i will say this i think that if the punishment is too harsh it's only going to embolden the white supremacists even more it's just going to anger them even more like i said i think the punishment should fit the crime and you really do give people a chance to be forgiven and give them a second chance we really want her to think back and say what i did was wrong and society forgave me i do believe in forgiveness but i will not give you a chance to mistreat me again i mean well said but let's move on to our next topic here george floyd a lot of us have seen the video if you haven't seen the video i don't blame you honestly i only saw bits of it i haven't seen the whole thing i believe it's like a longer video i'm not sure if it's like 10 minutes or whatever but i only saw a few minutes of the video because it was just really really hard for me to watch george floyd was killed by a police officer who put his knee around this man's neck for eight and a half minutes if you look at the video you can physically see the moment that mr floyd took his last breath it really upset me this could have been avoided there's no reason for that man to be screaming and yelling that he couldn't breathe and that he needs water he's handcuffed behind his back he's not a threat to anybody and yet four police officers well three officers stood by while one of them put his knee on this man's neck and at one point in the video you can see all four of them on this man even as you talk about it right now i feel something boiling up in me i haven't been like I said, I haven't been myself the, like ever since I found out about this story because it really just makes me sad and angry and filled with just all kinds of emotion about humanity. Why the people who are who took an oath to serve and protect their community would do this to a man for no reason. He wasn't a threat. He wasn't resisting arrest. He wasn't doing anything wrong. What they supposedly said he did was trying to pay at a store with the counterfeit 20. And because of $20, this man lost his life. I'll let you get started. Here's what I have to say. Evil doesn't need a reason to be evil. And we've got to see that moment for what it is. It's not a judgment on any group of people, but we can judge that one man for his actions to another man. And it was evil. You're not going to find a valid reason for why evil is evil. It's just going to do it. But we need to deal with that evil harshly. And, that, and that's how I see it. You could go through that scenario every single time. And you're never going to come out on the other side with a valid reason as to why that man died. The intent was there. The outcome that those officers wanted was there. They put their knee on that man's neck and slowly watched him die. And you cannot tell me that you didn't see that outcome coming as the officer when the entire time he's asking to breathe. And the people recording are saying, get off of him. He can't breathe. You had enough time to understand what would happen, and you didn't stop it. That means it was intent, it was murder, you got the outcome that you wanted, now get the punishment you deserve. I don't understand why 
if this was a civilian did this, we would clearly be shouting bloody. Like it would be, it would be murder. But because you have a uniform and a badge, all of a sudden you can get away with this. This is exactly what Colin Kaepernick was basically blackballed for. This is what his protest was all about. The fact that it's just taken now for them to charge this man after, again, public outcry. And all they did was fire them. I believe all four of those officers need to be charged with accessory. The one who did the killing needs to be charged with murder. Intent was there. They knew exactly what they were doing. And not only is he crying and pleading that he can't breathe, the people around you are telling you that this man cannot breathe. And you can physically see the, the, the life leave this man's breath. Officer Derek Chauvin was the one who put his, his knee around Mr. Floyd's neck. How Tayo was the officer who was standing by and watching this happen. And then you have the other two officers who were also there. Officer Thomas Kane and Officer J. Alexander Quang. I think that's how you say his name. All those four men need to be held accountable. Not just being fired. Oh, yeah. They all need to be held accountable. Oh, yeah. Because if you plug in any situation, you know, like, let's think of something like sexual assault. If one man is sexually assaulting somebody and the other three watch guard or let him, you're accomplices, you're accessory. If especially if you heard that person yell, help, stop, I don't want this to happen, and you do nothing, and you stop other people from trying to help this victim, then you're part of the problem, and you should be prosecuted too. So all four of them are responsible for this. And I can't see it in any other way. I'm at a loss for words. I'm, con I'm, I'm continuing to, to pray for this country. I don't know what's happening to us. I don't understand why a group of people are being targeted just because of the, the color of their skin. And I don't understand why, because you have a badge and a uniform, all of a sudden that gives you immunity to, to kill. How is that possible? You take an oath to protect, who are you at that very moment? Who are you protecting and serving? The man is already down. He's not a threat to you. He's not a threat to anybody. What are you trying to prove at that moment? Derek Chauvin had had 19 complaints against him. 19 complaints. And the, and the force failed to do nothing about it. You know what's funny? When I first heard of the situation, I really wanted to understand what the officer was thinking. I wanted to know what Derek was thinking at the time. Maybe I could understand. And now I realize there's nothing he could say that's going to make me understand what he did. Nothing he says is going to make sense to me because I'm, I'm looking at it like your knee was on this man's neck. He asked for help. He asked to breathe. He was in pain. He was distressed. People walking by told you to get up. Let the man breathe. The axe. And you still didn't do it. You had the time to save his life and you didn't do it. So at that point, there's nothing to say that's going to make me understand. I just want to see that man prosecuted and thrown in jail for as long as the law allows it. My whole thing is, you know, people make the argument, oh, you know, police officers have, you know, a tough job. They have to make split second decisions. You know, they, I get that. I understand that there are some situations where they have to make split second life or death situations. But in that very moment, this nobody was in danger. He didn't have a gun. He wasn't resisting arrest. So I don't understand who exactly was fearing for whose life there. Like you said, there is no reason for George Floyd to have died. 
Absolutely not. Eight minutes. You put your knee on a human being's neck for eight minutes. He was begging and pleading, saying, I can't breathe. I need water. I need help. And yet you still did nothing. You had people who were around you telling you that this man is dying. And still you did nothing. And you know, there's, I don't know how true this is, but they're saying that George and Derek knew each other, that they were bouncers at the same club for like 17 years. I'm waiting to see how true this is. Oh, that the officer knew George Floyd? Yeah, that Derek, the officer had his knee on, on George's neck. Right. Those two knew each other, apparently. I don't know how true it is, but I'm waiting to see the results of it. Well, because I... at least that would make sense, that there might have been some personal history there. And you use the opportunity to take him out. But other than that, I'm like, nothing you could tell me is going to make sense why you just killed that man. It was, it's not going to make any sense to me. This Either way, I want him prosecuted and thrown in jail. This isn't the first time we've seen this. Police brutality in the black community is a real thing. And what can we do? This is my call to action right now. I need all of the great police officers out there, the ones who are doing the right thing, who are abiding by the law, who are not corrupt. I need you guys to speak out. I understand there's some kind of, you know, whatever, blue protects blue. I get it. If you're quiet in this situation, you're complicit. I need you to come out and say something. We cannot continue like this. We are in the backdrop of coronavirus, which affects African-American community, and we're still trying to come up from that. And the backdrop of all of that, we're dealing with police brutality, and we're dealing with racism. Enough is enough. I'm tired of being scared for my family, for my brothers, for my son, for my friends. I'm tired of it. I shouldn't have to have those worries every single day. Caucasian families don't have those issues. I'm just going to put it out there. They don't have those issues. I need a call of action from the police officers who are good and who are seeing these and, and saying, you know what, Th this doesn't represent us. I need y'all to come out. Don't be quiet. I also need our white allies to come out and denounce this as well, to denounce racism and say, you know what? It's not all of us. It's only a few that are messing it up for the bunch and we do not stand for this. There, this is not a time to be silent. Time to be silent is over. We cannot do this by ourselves. I well, you know how I feel about this. I, I get that. We can't keep screaming and yelling from the rooftops that our lives are in danger. It's open season on black men. We cannot keep screaming this out. We need people to, we need police officers to come, to come and say, you know what? We're with you. We need our white allies to come out and say, you know what? We're with you. This is not just a, a black issue. This is a human issue. This is an us issue. This is a humanity issue. Well, here's the thing. I've decided not to wait on anyone to speak up, especially in the sense of white allies or good cops, because sometimes it takes a while for them to, you know, develop the courage to say something. And by the time they do say something, it could be too late. By the time they do say something, another person could be dead because the urgency isn't on them. It's on us. We're the ones bearing the consequences of this oppression. So I'm going to ask you, I already know what my answer is, but I'm going to ask you, what do you think we should do? What can we do? I already know. 
And we've talked about it before when I talked about arming ourselves. And you said, well, who would we fight? And my answer is, well, we don't have to know who we're going to fight to arm ourselves. We don't have to know who we're going to fight to defend ourselves. Because if we look at the situation, the evil comes to us. Just like it came to Ahmaud Arbery, just like it came to George Floyd, the evil is going to present itself to us, and we've got to be prepared to deal with it harshly. If a woman takes a self-defense class, we don't say she hates men for learning how to defend herself. She's just being realistic that she should know how to defend herself in case somebody wants to do her harm. Well, in that same sense, Black people, we should know how to defend ourselves. We should know how to arm ourselves. And these are our rights. The Second Amendment is our right. These are rights that the government can't take away from us. The right to bear arms, the right to form a militia. We should employ those rights. It doesn't mean we can't find a peaceful solution, but in case we can't find a peaceful solution where we walk away with our lives secure, then let's be prepared to take the alternative. Just like if you're at school and you're being bullied by somebody, I could teach my kids, we'll try to find a peaceful way out of it if you're being bullied. But if you can't find a peaceful way out of it, if that bully won't let you leave, then here's what you need to do to defend yourself. I don't want you going there being mistreated and not knowing how to take care of yourself. When you're being bullied, there's only two outcomes. Either you're going to walk away safely or you're going to have to fight your way out. And I'm going to teach my kids both ways. I'm not going to leave them ignorant of methods to keep themselves safe. They have to know both ways. That's their American right. That's their God-given right. That's nature to defend yourself. Fight or flight. You're not the first one to say we got to start arming ourselves. The black community needs to start arming themselves. We have the Second Amendment and we have to use it. My thing is I absolutely get that. I understand. But the law doesn't work for us. I'm just giving an example of the discrepancy that is happening in this country. Philan Castro, I'm sorry if I'm messing the name up. He had a, a license to carry. He told the police officer he had a license to carry. And the police officer still saw him as a threat and shot him. Even though he was reaching for his gun and telling the police officer, hey, I have a gun, I have a license to carry, it's in the glove compartment. The police officer still shot him dead. We have the case of uh, Breonna Taylor's fiance who protected himself in his own home. And I believe they've dropped the charges now, last I've heard. But they charged this man with the attempted murder of a police officer, even though he was protecting his home. Now, if the scenarios were flipped, we wouldn't have this problem. If it was a white person defending their home, I mean, we see it all the time in the South. People have a license to carry, but for some reason, the Second Amendment, even if even though it's our right to carry, we still get penalized for it. Even though we're trying to protect our homes, we're trying to protect ourselves, we're trying to protect our families, we still get penalized for it. So in that situation, what do you do? When you're doing everything by the book, you're doing everything legal, you're doing everything you're supposed to do, but it's still not good enough. At that situation, what do you do? Because we got to understand, the history of not defending ourselves, the history of of nonviolence still ends up with us being killed or harmed or mistreated. Martin Luther King was all about nonviolence and he was still assassinated. We've gone down that path. So, We've done the nonviolence path. So, We've barely so done Malcolm the violence. Malcolm X right, believed but, in, in, in... But he wasn't killed by white supremacists. He was killed by one of his own. And we could get back to that on a later date. It's a separate issue. But 
we've never really employed the Second Amendment. We've never really given that a chance. And that's what I feel like we need to do. In the case of Philando, and I hope I'm saying his name right, Philando Castile, again, we can't fight people's imagination of us. That's that's a battle we're never going to win. Because again, whether we're docile, whether we're aggressive, if their imagination of us is completely different from the reality of us, we're never going to win. We're never going to be able to win that battle, change what they think of us. But at the end of the day, their imagination of us should not cost us our reality. If in their head, they're imagining us to be a threat and say, well, I'm going to take you out. Well, no, we need to take you out first. We're not responsible for what you think of us in your head, and we shouldn't be punished for it. So we got to be able to defend ourselves. We got to be able to grab that Second Amendment with both hands and protect our well-being while still abiding by the law. Because the difference is that, you know, they're twisting the law. Officer Derek, he's twisting the law. I'm saying that black people need to use their right to the full extent that they should, abide by it, and on the other side of that situation, make sure they come out alive. In the case of Amy Cooper, she didn't mind putting that black man's life at risk if it meant her safety. She was willing to call the police and let whatever outcome happen. She wasn't thinking, oh, he might get hurt. No, she didn't. It didn't matter to her. She was willing to let whatever happen for her safety. Well, I, I think we should start thinking the same, that we preserve our life. Our, our life is priority one. And if another person wants to be reckless with our life, we don't let it happen ever. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people feel that way. This whole George Floyd situation has sparked an outrage and full blown outrage where there are riots all over, happening in Minneapolis right now and there are protests going on all over the country. In Minneapolis right now, police station got burnt down, people are looting, people are pissed. People are pissed. And they've, I think they've just sort of reached their breaking point. People are mad right now. And I don't blame them because we're sitting back and it's just like we're, we're just getting picked off. Like our black men are just getting picked off one by one. And people are pissed. What are your thoughts on the protest that's happening right now? Not only in Minneapolis, like I said, but it's happening all over the country in Atlanta, in New York, in LA. What, what do you think about all of this? People want justice. People are tired. They just want it to stop. What are your thoughts? I think the protests are a waste of time. I think we've had enough protests. I think the protests are opportunities for people to steal, for people to loot. And I know uh, it's not everybody. I've even heard they're speculating that it's white supremacists, you know, kind of they're the ones darting some of the looting, getting things crazy. And I wouldn't be surprised by that. But I also see images of black people, you know, grabbing TVs and all that kind of stuff. And again, it's just a waste of time. We're not putting our energy in the right places. We've got to take that energy and organize it, focus it on one point to get results. We're not going to get results by burning down essential buildings that we need. We're not going to get anywhere by looting our own neighborhood. That doesn't do anything because whatever we destroy, we have to rebuild because we realize we still needed it. We still need a target. We still need some of these stories in this neighborhood after all is said and done, after we stop being emotional and we start thinking logically and reasonably. The protest should turn into something greater. Take that energy and do something better with it. And I want to take a page out of the white nationalist book, right? And I know that sounds bad, but hear me out. I was in 2017, 
2017, right? In 2017, you saw those white nationalists marching down with their tiki torches and standing in places like the state capitol or places that mattered, right? That's what we need. We need that sort of organization when we protest. That right wasn't now, exactly peaceful either. You know, a young lady it, it got wasn't killed. Peaceful. Well, I'm not talking about that particular protest, but the one where they were marching down organized. And the point I'm trying to make is that with some of these white nationalists, some of these white supremacists, they form militias and they're ready. They know where to go, where to be, and what arsenal to bring with them. Even recently, you saw what was a gun rally like two months ago, the gun rally and you saw a bunch of people standing in front of the state capitol, heavily armed. You have people, they're heavily armed to get haircuts, to end the lockdown. And I'm saying that we need to take a page out of their book. Well, okay. We need to this protest is, no, peacefully. No, 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 because you, yeah. this, this is what I'm talking about, right? They're allowed to protest with guns and, and whatever the hell they, they got going on, right? But yeah, we have Colin Kaepernick who's doing it peacefully. We have other people who are doing it peacefully and people are saying, oh, that's disrespectful. That's not a way. You got people carrying guns trying to protest the fact that they, because they can't get a goddamn haircut. But yeah, you have people who are protesting because people's lives are being taken away and yet they're inappropriate. The way they're protesting is inappropriate how do you know what's appropriate or not you can't tell people how to protest trevor noah said it best you cannot tell people how to protest because there is no proper way to protest people protest how they feel well we have to understand they're never happy when we protest no matter how we protest they're not happy about it i mean look at the civil rights movement they were definitely protesting peacefully and they were still attacked with dogs and hoses. So whenever we protest for our rights, right. that we have the same rights as everyone else, they're never happy. Exactly. And they're my never going like, like to like our path of defiance. You got people protesting with guns, but yet this, the National Guard was not called. People weren't tear gassed. That's the part that just really, really upsets me right now. You, I'm just so frustrated because it's like when we protest, all of a sudden it's seen as disrespectful. It's seen as this. You see, I don't want to make it a, a them versus us situation but it's like you have you know, those groups that are protesting but yet you don't see the national guard arresting anybody you don't see a ruckus happening and they're in there with guns in officers faces why aren't you tackling i mean you literally had a cn a black cnn anchor get arrested on national tv for what we're gonna have to start seeing it as us versus them and remember two things can be true right we have to accept it is us versus them but the people that are against us they're the problem it's, it's the people that want to keep us down not everybody wants to keep us down and the ones that want to keep us down we do have to acknowledge them that they exist and they're right around the corner you know what i'm saying like we can we can admit that they exist and they're the ones we're fighting against the ones that they want to reduce our rights suppress our rights and we can't let that happen and we can't be apologetic about having our rights having our full humanity right the constitution says life liberty and the pursuit of happiness that's guaranteed to us too and anybody that tries to take that away from us that's our enemy and we can acknowledge that so i still believe in the idea that we need to arm ourselves and we need to show up at the state capitol armed versus looting a target i think that if we show up to a state capitol heavily armed but doing it peacefully and quietly you're gonna have better and greater results for our people 
when Ahmaud Arbery was shot. Colin Kaepernick did right? it peacefully and he's blackballed. Martin Luther King did it exactly. peacefully and he was shot. If we do it rioting, exactly. you have police officers with guard dogs, then you got them calling the National Guard. When black people protest, there is no protest. It's seen as, even if it's peaceful or not, people are gonna say, well, you know, it, they don't have you it's it's rude and it's disrespectful to the country and it's this and it's that but then when you have you know the alt-right group or people just protesting for stupid shit pardon my language all of a sudden that's okay they got guns in police officers faces and they and they don't do nothing about it i understand why people are mad i understand why people are upset hell i'm mad i'm upset remember I, this with the case of Ahmaud Arbery, right? A black militia showed up in the neighborhood of the George McMichaels, I believe. They showed up in the neighborhood, this black militia, and guess what? The police didn't want to confront them. Heavily armed black men, people didn't want to confront them. And guess what? There was no shootout. These men didn't go around burning or looting. They just held their guns in the neighborhood because everything they, was, they were doing was abiding by the law. And look at those results. No one came after them. We need to employ the same tactics as those trying to harm us. Or we need to employ the same tactics as other groups who gain the most success. We don't have to go out there and harm anyone. If we want success, we just have to employ our amendment right. No one has to get hurt. We can abide by the law. But we can show that we're here to mean business. We're going to deal with injustice, injustice harshly. And what the government can't do, we need to do for ourselves. Yeah, these are my final thoughts on just, you know, just to put a, a bow on everything. We need people to speak up. We need people to not have short attention span or short memory. We can't just have an outcry for two, three weeks and then forget about it until the next one comes up. We can't do that. We can't be lazy. We gotta take action. That's basically what, what I'm trying to say. We gotta take action. And I challenge people to speak up, to use your voice. That voice is either by calling your Senate, your Congress, your council people, and let them know that, hey, we put you in those situations. We need leadership. And that's why I urge people to please vote not just for big ones like the president or, or we need even in little places because those are where the real laws are affecting we need to take action like i said i employ those police officers that are biting the good ones to speak up and say something and denounce the bad ones because if you don't do that you are just as complicit you're going to be lumped in with the bad ones and you got to speak up and say hey we got some good ones here we got some ones that take their oath seriously we got the ones that are that are wanting to do the right thing for their community and we do not stand for this and until you do that i don't see any sort of change and then the last thing i'm going to say is i really really urge our white counterparts you have to say something even if it's at your grocery store if you see a black woman being treated bad wherever it is and you do not speak or say something you are just as complicit in it as well it doesn't have to be you know big national news like this if you see someone being treated a person of color being treated bad on the street at your work at the store at the gym wherever it is and you do not say something or you're saying oh you, that's not my business it is your business it absolutely is your business and if you listen to you know to the last episode you can see that it is possible to to reach out and be friends 
with with all types of people. You saw that in, in our in my last episode with my friend. It is possible. We gotta speak up for each other. We gotta take up for each other. We only have this one world and black people aren't going anywhere. People of color are not going anywhere. We're just not. Matter of fact, we're growing in numbers. So no matter how much you try to pick us off or whatever it is you try to do, we just keep coming. We are resilient people. We are. So please, I urge you, be your brother's keeper. I'm trying to be optimistic. I'm trying I'm trying to really, really to see the bright light in all of this. And I apologize for being emotional, but it's an emotional topic and it's an emotional conversation. And I just really urge us to just be your brother's keeper. Be your sister's keeper. I know you disagree with me, but we, we cannot do this by ourselves. We cannot. We need people to stand up for us. We need allies. Those are my final thoughts. So before we go, I'll let you get get your final thoughts in and then we'll we'll wrap up for the for this week. I definitely understand where you're coming from emotionally, but what I'm seeing from black people is that we're not talking nonviolence anymore. None of these preachers are coming out saying we should turn the other cheek or deal with hate with love or something along those lines. The nonviolence talk is over because we are done being mistreated. We're done with having people like Amy Cooper and Officer Derek use the law against us in a way that costs us our lives. To use the law unfairly, to mistreat us, to do us harm, we are done with that. And we will not let it happen any longer. And the only people who should be worried are the people who wish to do us harm because that time is over. You will not get a second chance again. Those of you who are our allies and friends, you have nothing to worry about. You're innocent. And we're not going to forget that. There's peace between us and those who don't want to harm us. There's love between us and those who wish the best for us. But the ones who are trying to do us wrong, that's who we want to deal with. Our focus is on them, and that shouldn't change. Well said. Well, that is it for this week's episode. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. You know what? Thank you guys so much for all of the love and the support that you have really, really shown the podcast. You have really shown me. You've really, like, it's been so overwhelming. I've heard all of your comments. I've heard everyone saying that they really enjoy the podcast and they're learning so much from from it. And, you know, it really, really means a lot. And this is why, this is why it's so important to speak up and have a voice. And for the longest time, I've sort of been silent because I'm like, oh, you know, it's not my issue. It's not that, but it's all of us's issue because we all have to yeah. live in this world. This is all our issue. You can't sit back and say, oh, it's not my issue. You know, there's only so much I can do, but the little that I can do, I will do that. And I'm pretty sure you feel the same way as well. I do. So, you know, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for the love. Thank you so much for the support. It means so much. And I really hope that you do continue to listen. I hope that you continue to share with your friends, share with your family, you know, continue to listen and continue to support. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple or Spotify, wherever it is that you listen. And make sure you continue to follow us on our social media at The Foreign Lady Podcast. I love you guys so much for listening and thank you again for the support. I will see you guys next time. Bye now. Bye. Listening to The Foreign Lady with Elizabeth Allen. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate and review to help others find the podcast too. And be sure to subscribe so you're the first to know when the latest episode drops. Join the conversation on Facebook and Instagram at The Foreign Lady Podcast. See you next time.